0: If uh, if you love sports, uh, especially game, the game of baseball, you know that Lou Gehrig was one of the greatest players of all time, and we had a little fun around the office this week of who's even heard of Lou Gehrig here, by the way, who rem- remembers back to the day, you know, when life was in black and white, and Lou Gehrig, known by many, again, is one of the greatest of all time, and his numbers tell some of that story. 2,130 straight games, uh, uh, averaged 147 RBIs a year, he stole home 15 times. Those are just a few of the impressive numbers for the Hall of Fame first baseman. But as much as he's remembered for the way that he played the game of baseball, he's also known for this speech, Uh, a farewell speech, really. The date was July 4th, 1939, just two months after Gehrig had been diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis also known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. And the Yankees uh, loved their first baseman, and uh, they realized that he had limited time, and so they planned this special recognition for him. Some have said that Gehrig was so overcome by emotion on the field that he almost wouldn't step to the mic, but thankfully he did because not only did his words inspire the fans that were in attendance that day, but his words still move us as well. I don't know if you caught some of them or if you're familiar with this speech. He, he said something like this, For the past two weeks you've been reading that I got a really bad break, yet today I consider myself to be one of the luckiest men on the face of the earth. I've been given a bad break, and then those words, but I've got an awful lot to live for. What what a powerful statement, a a powerful statement of inspiration, again, to all who heard it back then, but certainly for us today as well. And interestingly, the Bible has a number of inspiring farewell speeches contained within it too. There's, There's Joseph in the Old Testament, not to be confused with Joseph, the father of Jesus, but Joseph, Genesis chapters 49 to 50, a farewell speech. There's Moses, really the whole book of Deuteronomy is his farewell speech. There's Joshua and Joshua chapter 23, there's Samuel in 1 Samuel 12, and then, of course, Jesus' words in John 13 through 17, before he went to the cross, the most famous and notable farewell speech of all time. Today, we're going to look at another one, though, found in the New Testament book of Acts. And so, if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to take it and turn to to Acts chapter 20. Last week, uh, we were with the Apostle Paul in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. By the time we get to Acts 20, Paul leaves Ephesus, and he returns to... Macedonia and Greece to visit Christians and churches that he helped start there. By the time we get to Acts 20 verse 13, he's ready to set sail to Jerusalem, but not before stopping to meet with the leaders of the church that he started, helped start in this community of Ephesus. And here's what Paul knows. All right, and this is important. Like Lou Gehrig, he knows that he has limited time, all right? His days are coming to an end. It's time to go to Jerusalem, but that which means that he might not make it out of life, and so he's going to choose his words carefully, uh, again, knowing that, that there's limited time, and, and he's going to use these moments, he's going to use this as an opportunity to both inspire and instruct these followers of Jesus. These words we're going to look at today uh, were certainly important for Paul's listeners, these church leaders for Ephesus back then, but they're helpful to us today as well. They're beneficial to any of us who would say that we want to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ in this world. In fact, even if you're not a Christian… All right, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, maybe you would say that uh, you're, you're curious about faith, you're curious about Jesus, you're kind of checking these things out. This, this farewell speech of Paul's provides some distinguishing marks of what it means to call yourself a Christian, uh, or as we've been saying around here, a sent follower of Jesus Christ into this world. And so let's just stop there, let's take a moment, can we pray, and then we're going to dive into some of these words together. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for this time and for this place this morning, Lord, for the opportunity to come here and meet in this building, uh, for this church family, for our guests, Lord, and and most importantly, you, God, and for your presence. Uh, And and we just ask, God, Lord, we ask that you would would do what you choose to do here today, uh, that as we read from your word, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to our minds and you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us a a glimpse and a picture of, of what obedience looks like and what faithfulness looks like today, right now, in all of the circumstances circumstances of our lives. But we don't want to just hear it, Lord. Uh, We want want to put it to practice as well. We want to be obedient followers of Jesus Christ here in this community that you've called us to. And so make us good listeners, but also good responders today. And, And we offer this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you got Acts chapter 20 open, starting in verse 13, I, I want to read for you just a few verses here while you kind of follow along with Paul's travels here as can be seen from this map. And so picking up in verse 15, Thirteen, we read this. Uh, we and if we just stop there even for a moment, let's remember that Luke is the historian here, and, and was likely a part of Paul's travels. And so even with the pronoun, he identifies that there's a team here that he's a, a part of. This team, he writes, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. We, when he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene next day we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. Verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And so he's asked them to come to Miletus to spend time with him. Again, he was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. The fastest way to do that was by ship, but while he didn't want to take a lot of time in Ephesus, and we're not sure why, maybe he didn't feel safe going there, or again, maybe it was just a timing issue, he asked the leaders of the church at Ephesus to come and to spend time with him in the place of Miletus. Now why? Well, Paul loved them. Uh, he enjoyed being with them. He ha- had helped identify these individuals and train them and disciple them and raise them up to-, to lead this church. He loved what was happening through this church and in the community of Ephesus, but he was also anxious. He was prayerful about the challenges of life and this world and the, the craziness that they were living in day to day, and so he was very interested in who they were becoming. And so he sets aside this time to encourage them, but also to instruct them them and what it means to live a faithful life for Jesus Christ today. He says this in verse 18. Consider this his farewell speech, if you would. He says, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. Now, when, when I read these words and we, we consider what we've studied with Paul, what you've been reading about him these last few weeks, we, we, we can see that, 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 that life and ministry were very important to him. I, I'm reminded when I think of Paul about how much he just simply loved people. Uh, he loved people. He he proved it in his willingness to be with them, to set aside time for them. He he lived with them. He worked alongside of them. A couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about the importance of genuine friendship when it comes to reaching others for Jesus Christ. I, I think of the saying that others won't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. And so Paul, he wasn't just trying to sell a product. He wasn't trying to meet monthly goals or a, a quota. He loved people and he proved it with his genuine friendship, and because he spent time with people and did life with them, he knew their needs. Uh, He knew their story. He knew their ups and downs, the things that they were afraid of, the things that made them them anxious, and and he earned their respect, and that respect earned him the right to be able to speak truth into their lives, and and, uh, I I love this biblical scholar Ajit Fernando says this about Paul. He says, Paul had an open-hearted approach to ministry. This is why he could spend a whole night chatting with believers in Troas, and this is why he shed so many tears among the Ephesians. Paul didn't have a celebrity ministry that allowed him to hide out in an office after delivering great speeches. No, he was with the people. He spent time with them. He he was genuine in his relationships and his friendships. I'm so grateful for some of the men uh, pastors that the Lord has put into my life uh, over the years. One of those is a guy by the name of Jeff Nelson. And uh, he was my youth pastor growing up in central Illinois. Uh, He eventually became the lead pastor of the church where my parents now attend in Springfield. Jeff loves people. Uh, He spends time with people. He's patient. He's encouraging. He he speaks truth into people's lives. I'm, I'm so thankful that God has put him in my life, my friendship with him even today. He's someone that that I look at him, and I look at the way he does ministry, and I think I want to be like him. I want to be like Jeff. And I've got some fun news. He's going to be here to preach for us on Sunday morning, November the 5th. You're going to get the chance to hear from Jeff. And then that night, on Sunday night, November the 5th, we're going to have him here for our next Going Deeper event. And so he'll speak Sunday morning, and then he's going to speak Sunday night, and uh, he's going to just be teaching On the power of encouragement, biblical encouragement. And man, I can't think of a better time in our culture today where we need some encouragement. And we need to understand what it means as followers of Jesus that we help bring encouragement into this world, you know, especially as we think about our lives beyond the book of Acts, as we uh, think about another election year that's quickly coming, you know, this cynical, critical world that we live in. What does it mean for us as sent followers of Jesus to be encouraging people? And so, again, mark your calendar. For November the fifth, but one of the things that made Paul uh, effective was his deep love for people—people people far from God—and those that were trying to follow Jesus in this world. And so we can we can learn from him. I mean, I, I want to encourage you to just ask yourself: Like, are you are you being intentional? And the way that you spend time with people, are you making this a priority in your life? Are you willing to open your home to others and to share life with them, to share coffee, a lunch with somebody from work? I mean, just the benefits of doing life with other people, people that are far from God, but I'd also say people that are just a part of this church family as well, and the encouragement and the growth that comes from doing life together. Do we take the time to listen and to understand the needs of people that God's putting in our lives? Paul loved people. But not just that, we also see that he served with a lot of humility and, and with great passion. Verse 19, he says this, he says, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. And so Paul served, but I want you to notice, he didn't just serve because he felt like this was an honorable way to live. Look at those first words again. He says, I served the Lord. See, Paul viewed all of his life, every moment, every moment, Every occasion, every interaction, as an opportunity to serve, and and who did he learn that from? Well, of course, he learned that from Jesus, because it was Jesus said that that I did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so Paul learned things like service and humility and passion from Jesus, and he learned it from all of the different ways that Jesus loved and and interacted with people. But most of all, he learned it through Jesus Christ's obedient work on the cross. I want to, make no mistake here, like Paul's life was so deeply changed by the transforming work of Jesus. And when I say that, I'm talking about forgiveness and salvation and the redemptive work of Christ in his life, but it didn't stop there. It didn't just stop with that transaction. No, the the more and more Paul reflected on what Jesus Christ had done on behalf of him, the more and more Paul was willing to surrender every part of his life, every moment of his life to the Lord. And so, So therefore, the more and more it changed, and and it was transforming him. Here's what Paul then was encouraging in the final moments these leaders in Ephesus to do, but really what he's encouraging us to do too. He's just saying this, that I want you to see all of life. That means every person that the Lord has put in your life right now, every instance, every day, your career, your profession right now, your goals is an opportunity for you to serve, and to do it with humility and passion. And so, again, that means that your home, the people living in your home right now, even those that you don't like, you know, if there are some of those, but, you know, again, those at your school, those people that you work with, like every environment, every interaction is an opportunity to serve. I love love how I see God doing this in so many of you. And uh, just seeing you in the community, uh, working through our schools. I, I love hearing the stories of the way that you manage people or the way you, you run your company, company, the way uh, you see your profession. I, I love these examples of uh, humility and service here in our church and especially, you know, see a lot of that on Sunday morning. Like when I, when I walk around on a Sunday morning and I watch our men come in from the parking team and just the joy and enthusiasm they have in, in welcoming others to, to our worship service. I'm so thankful for the men and women and students that serve over in our Gen Kids space on a Sunday morning, pouring into the lives of these kids and helping them to know and grow in Jesus Christ. We've got a great team of people that serves here in the auditorium on Sundays, in the front of the room and, and in the back of the room. We've got so many men and women that are serving with our students, our middle school students on Sunday night and our high school students on Wednesday night, and then a whole bunch of other days in between. Many of you right now are opening your homes to, to groups of people to come in, to spend time with you. You, you help provide meals you know, for families that are celebrating, for families that are going through some difficult times. You give generously. You give generously with your time and with your resources. There's so many great examples of people serving with humility. Uh, you serve with passion. I'm so grateful for that. I love what I see God doing here in our church family. Now, don't be alarmed if you're not there yet, because we're all still a work in progress. But, but just trusting Jesus and the power of, of his life for ours, like that that changes us once and for all and forever, but, but that's just the beginning of God's transforming work in our lives. If we let him, the gospel not only saves us, but it also has the power and the potential to change us so that we look a little bit more like Jesus every single day. And that's why Paul would say in Colossians chapter three verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever we do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I can hear Paul just kind of digging in with his leaders, just saying, hey, in everything you do, you want to know what effective evangelism is? In everything you do, not just on Sundays. So again, that includes homework, school, everyone. No, even those moments when nobody else is going to notice. You serve with humility, and we serve with passion. And who do we do it for? We do it for Jesus. Jesus is why we serve. We do it for him and because of him. Verse 20, he continues, he says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Uh, Paul wasn't uh, just he wasn't satisfied to just demonstrate the gospel with his actions and service as important as that is I want you to see and understand here that he boldly shared the good news of Jesus Christ with people he used words you know as he spent time with people as he earned their respect he talked about he talked about all of life he he talked about the difference that Jesus had made for him. He talked about things like sin and judgment and heaven and hell and repentance. And, and he was ready to share the hope uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. And we know that Paul shared his personal story. We see that on a, several occasions, even in the book of Acts, and likely with so many more. This, his story of sin and rebellion, his story of his encounter, his personal encounter with the grace and the love of God and how his life was radically changed by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul wanted others to experience what he had. He had seen, he was experiencing firsthand the difference that Jesus makes. And so his words, an example, you know, they're meant to instruct us too that as sent followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to love people and we are called to serve and to be compassionate and to be generous. But we also need to be ready to share the words of the gospel and to call people to repentance as well. And one of the ways that we do that is by telling our own personal stories of faith. We did a, a series a number of years ago here at Genesis that we probably need to come back to again. Many of you know that our mission as a church is helping people find their way back to God. It comes right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 10, 20. But we did a, a teaching series called My Way Back, and it was just a three-week teaching teaching series on the importance of your faith story and how learning to share your story with words can be so beneficial as you're doing life with others. And, and really, when you think about your story, it's just being able to address three things. It's being able to address, here's my life before Jesus. Uh, here's what it was like for me to encounter his grace and love and to respond to that love. And now here's my life since Jesus has come into my life. Here's how he's changing me and here's how he's growing me. You and I need to ask you the question, can, can you do that? in 30 seconds or 60 seconds? Could you tell that story of faith in your life? If given the chance, could you explain it in five minutes or less? If, if you had just that much time or if given it an, given an hour at a coffee shop with someone, could you, could you talk for an hour about the work that Jesus has done in your life? And, and don't be ashamed if you don't know how to do that. But man, if that piques some curiosity for you, if you have an interest in that, Reach out. Let us know. I'll, I'll be up front afterwards. Send us an email this week through our, our website. We'd be happy to, to talk with you about what it means to learn these, these kinds of kinds of skills. But don't be afraid to tell your story. Don't be afraid to share the good news of Jesus with others. Like, our words can make a difference. The gospel is power. I, I heard somebody say it like this. If, if I'm drowning in the river, don't just jump in and drown with me. Like, your empathy does neither of us any good. No, if you know something I don't, throw me a rope. Help me out. Help me see what you've learned and discovered in your own life. People can't respond to the good news of Jesus if they don't hear. You know, part of why the Lord has us here, why he has our church right here in the community as sent followers of Jesus is we're here to tell the story. We're here to demonstrate it with our actions, but we're here to share it with our words. And I know that it's easy to think, well, what difference can I make? You know, what could I possibly do? There's nothing fascinating about my story. I love what the late Tim Keller said about this and in our influence. He says, a humble and weak person will show a crucified Savior better to a listener than a polished, pulled-together expert, because that's how it happened for us. We weren't saved by pulling ourselves together, but by admitting we were sinners and calling on the one who was pulled apart for us. The gospel, its work in our lives, it it has the power not only for us, but also the power to motivate us for others. It's what drives us to pray what we specifically call our everyday prayer. And uh, our everyday prayer is just simply this Would you be bold enough to pray every day, Father in heaven? Thank you for saving me. Thank you. uh, I want you to do for others what you've done for me. Use me today, Lord, to help. And you fill in the blank. Because who are those people that the Lord has put in your life right now that he's called you for for a specific purpose, your story, your love, your time with them? And if you're interested in this prayer, it's on our website. There are also some red bookmark-looking cards uh, that have a reading plan on it, the uh, everyday prayer's on it, too. It's on, on the table uh, in the back of the room. But what would happen? Like, what might God do through your life and mine if we prayed a prayer like this faithful each and every day? If, What what would happen if we prayed this together and collectively as a church? And how could that spill over into this community? Again, if we got serious about prayer and serious about God's work through us, let's let's keep growing in this, all right? You know, sometimes I think, man, we're we're talking about these things a lot. And I think this is what Jesus has for us, I I think this is where he's leading us. He is raising up this church, he is raising up, you know, this family. to be in even greater ways, salt and light, to be sent followers of Jesus to the people that that he's called us to. But we can't do it on our own. Like, it's one thing to love people. You know, it's one thing to serve people and to tell our stories. But you and I are powerless without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul wasn't just motivated to go out and do good things. No, he was dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and trust in him, the good news is that you have the very presence of God in your life. You have the Holy Spirit in you. The same Holy Spirit that was in Paul, the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you. He is in your life and able to move through you. Paul says in in verse 22, he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit... I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what's going to happen to me. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And then these words in verse 24 that I think would be worth memorizing. He says, However I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul's life and you can see it if you look for it in the book of Acts. He was completely dependent on the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life. Like how else would he overcome such severe trials? And, and, and Paul didn't change anybody's life. All right? He didn't have that ability. You know, it was the Holy Spirit working in him and through him and even beyond him and even before he reached some of these places. And it was the Holy Spirit that gave him the ability to live a faithful life, and notice those words, to finish the race. And I, I love that image you know, of the athlete and the runner. And some of you know that my three kids run, and uh, yesterday, my wife and I had a marathon day of our own. We, uh, with our friends, our dear friends, Kent and Laura Denius, we got up at 7 a.m., we drove to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, We watched my son and their daughter run with their college team down in Louisville, and then from there, we drove back to Indianapolis and then down to Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, to watch our two other kids and a whole bunch of other kids from Noblesville and even this church run in Terre Haute last night. And so Jenny and I finally pulled back into the driveway at midnight. Uh, we did not run a single mile in any competitive race, but we got about 15,000 steps each and covered about 500 miles of pavement pretty successfully. And uh, it, it was a really fun day. And man, I love, we we got a whole bunch of runners in our church, believe it or not, you know, from from every age. In fact, I hope he still likes me after doing this, but uh, there's a guy right here, Isaiah Vose. Isaiah, stand up for just a second. Isaiah won the Indiana Middle School State Championship cross-country meet yesterday in Terre Haute, so that's pretty cool. Thanks, Isaiah. But as passionate as he is about running, he's really passionate about Jesus too. And he's making a difference in his school and amongst his friends and other athletes. We've got high school runners over here, all over this place that work really, really hard. And you just wonder, man, I, I just admire watching them race. You know, because how do you do it? Like, because mile two really, really hurts sometimes. When you get to be 48 years of age, mile one hurts a lot, you know, sometimes. But they, they log, what, what, what enables them to do it? They log the miles, right? They do the training day after day, but so often it's the image of the finish, right? It's the finish line. It's realizing that it hurts right now, but the finish line is coming. I, I think that's true of Paul. He had the finish line in his sight. It was the desire to live faithfully. He was obedient. He knew that he was going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ, and he never would have gotten there if it wasn't through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that the Holy Spirit was empowering Paul, the Holy Spirit is in us. It's, it's God working in and through all of our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to pray powerful and effective prayers it's the holy spirit who can help us trust even when we're going through our most difficult situations it's the holy spirit that can help you with your troubles at home and with friends and at school it's the the holy spirit that gives us the patience to care for friends and to pray for a friend it's the holy spirit that changes people's lives we're just called to be faithful you and i are called to be obedient are you dependent on the holy spirit You know, if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus in this world, if we're going to accomplish anything of benefit, anything with fruit in this world, we have to learn to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. That's why I'd encourage you, even as you start your day, what would it look like to just say, Holy Spirit, I am desperately dependent on you today for this and for this and for this and and even those things that I can't see coming because I am yours and I belong to you. Like it was the it was the Holy Spirit that carried Paul from beginning to end to his earthly life to where he was able to say, I've been faithful. And that's just another one of the qualities that we see in Paul. His desire, his motivation was to be faithful. Verse 26, he says, therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. This is Paul's way of basically saying I've been making the most of every moment. I'm taking advantage of every opportunity. I'm not holding back. I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul didn't view his ministry as something that he would eventually retire from. Uh, retirement is not a biblical idea. Retirement is something we've created in this world. His, he, he saw all of his life. Like, his ministry was his life. He belonged to Jesus. He was a servant of Jesus Christ from beginning until the end. I, I was taken back to a story this past week of a young woman by the name of Anne Hazeltine, and her passion and love for Jesus and also her desire to serve Jesus to the very ends, the most difficult places in this world. She was born in 1789 in Bradford, New England. She surrendered her life to Jesus at the age of 16, and even at a young age, she sensed this growing desire in her heart to spend the rest of her life telling others about Jesus Christ, even if that meant it took her to the most uh, difficult places in this world. She became a teacher Uh, And then in 1810, met a young man by the name of Adoniram Judson. And not only were they attracted to each other, but they also shared this desire for the gospel and for missions. And so, Anne and and Adoniram started spending time with each other, and she introduced him to her parents. One month later, Adoniram wrote to Anne's father, asking permission to marry his daughter. And uh, because of their shared desire to serve Jesus to the very ends of the earth. Well, that influenced the way he asked. And listen to some of these famous words. Uh, He writes, Adoniram does, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to potentially see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of the missionary life, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, to insult, to persecution, perhaps a violent death, can you consent to all of this for the sake of him, the one who left his heavenly home and died for you and died for her and for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? And Mr. Hazleton left the choice to his daughter, Anne, this young woman who resolved to marry Adoniram and to leave all she had ever known for the unknown. And listen to some of her words. They're inspiring. She writes, I rejoice that my life is in God's hands, that he is everywhere present and can protect me in one place as well as in another. He has my heart in his hands, and when I am called to face danger, to pass through scenes of terror and distress, he can inspire me with fortitude and enable me to trust in him. Jesus is faithful, she wrote. His promises are precious to me. Adoniram and Ann spent most of their life serving in what has been called Burma and also Myanmar, and as expected, it was difficult and so much loss, but together they served faithfully and obediently with every day they were given. I want to make sure you hear me say this. You don't have to go to a place like Myanmar to be called faithful. You can be faithful tomorrow at school and where you work, um, as you care for family members that are aging or sick, uh, as you maybe stay at home with your children and you care and raise for them, you can be faithful. Uh, You can be faithful in how you manage people. Uh, You can be faithful with the financial resources that God has given to you. You can be faithful in how you uh, love others and, most importantly, in how you love God. Thankfully, most of us will likely never endure what the Apostle Paul endured, what people like Adoniram and Anne endured. But as God called each of these, the same callings on each of us, we have the same calling on our lives as sent followers of Jesus into this world. And again, Paul loved people. He served with humility and passion. He, he shared the gospel with every opportunity that was before him. He lived by the Holy Spirit. He was faithful to the very end. He wasn't perfect, but he was faithful. And Paul, like he's a great example, but it's nothing compared to Jesus. Because as we study the life of Jesus Christ, we know that nobody loved people like Jesus did that Jesus served with great humility and with great passion, that he shared the good news, he shared the good news with his actions, but he also wasn't afraid to share the good news with his words, and he was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit, and he was faithful to the end, and he will be faithful to the very end for you and for me and for this world. I don't know how this strikes you today, but I just want to remind you that your life matters that you were created in the very image of God and you were created for him and that he has you here in this place and in this world for a very specific time and a very specific reason. And and he wants wants so much more for each and every single one of us and and he wants us to trust in him and and through the power of the Holy Spirit he can give us even greater faith and, and give us this ability to be faithful, again, faithful sent followers for him. And So I want to leave you with this thought today but also with the question. Uh, no matter what you have going on right now, no matter what faces you, let, let's remember this. Here, here's the hope that we have as followers of Jesus and as a church. The, 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 the fact is that we have Jesus. Like there, there is no greater person, there is no greater gift than salvation, for forgiveness, and, and life through Jesus Christ. But the question that I want to leave you with today needs to be a very personal one. And it's just this. Does Jesus have you? Does he have all of you? Are you willing to surrender every part of your life to him? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these words today and for the ministry of the Apostle Paul and for the direction and guidance that that even his words from Acts 20 today can provide for us as we think about what does it mean to live faithfully right now? And what does it mean to live faithfully with all of the days that are before me? And most importantly, for Jesus' example, the life that he lived that we could never live on our own, but we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides and directs us. And we just pray, I pray, Lord, that you continue to transform my life, that you continue to transform each of our lives, that we would look more and more like Christ and that your power would be at work around us, that as we are faithful, that you'll change lives and help others find their way back to you. But I also want to pray this morning, Lord, for for that man or woman, that student, that child that's in the room today that has never trusted Jesus Christ as savior you know the good news is just this that god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life this is the good news of jesus that that god through his love has made a way through jesus christ but that's not something he's going to force on you that is something that we have to respond to and so if you're ready to put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you're ready to commit your life to following him in this world, I just want to tell you today there is no greater decision than you can make than to trust Jesus and to pray to him even right now this morning that Jesus Christ, I, I want you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. He's ready to respond to you today. And, and we'd love to talk with you. We, we'll, we'll have people up front afterwards. We'd be more than happy to have a conversation and pray with you about what it means to trust Jesus. But I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful as you have been faithful. Have your way in us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.